Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in. Joining me today, I got Finder as always, and I got Russ, aka Salty, from Salty Games. Hey, how's it going? Hey, going it's well. uh, great to be back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you have now become the person who has willingly come back the most amount of times. How does it feel? You've had people unwillingly come back? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. But, but we don't talk about that for yeah. uh, legal reasons. <laughs> do, you have, do, you have, yeah, do you have a podcast oubliette or something? <laughs> it's just blackmail. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> By the way, Russ has decided to join us today, one, because we're awesome, and two, because he has an up to, upcoming Kickstarter uh, that you guys might be interested in, especially if you picked up Nuetto, which, in my opinion, beautiful freaking book. Yeah, and we'll note that the my reasons for coming back were listed in priority order there. One, because you guys are awesome, and two, to hawk oh. my stuff. <laughs> So, can you tell us about your Kickstarter? <laughs> We're just going to skip over the awesome part, huh? All right, okay. okay. We're not that awesome. I know you're lying. <laughs> you can talk about your awesomeness in the latter half of this podcast. We'll leave the best till the end. Um, so, for folks that might be new to me or Salty Games, uh, I ran a Kickstarter in late 2021, almost exactly two years ago, uh, for a game that uh, was called Nuedo. Uh, to differentiate it from everything called Neo Tokyo. And it's a neon urban samurai game that is better described as a samurai game with neon than a neon game with samurai. Uh, it has the aesthetics and trappings of a punk cyberpunk game, but it doesn't have the themes, which is the main qualifier of what what is cyberpunk. It isn't neon and chrome and robots and AI and advertising. It's the very succinctly summed up in the the phrase uh, high tech low life. In the way though, it differs significantly from that. It's a you know medium crunch, character focused, uh, dice heavy TTRPG set in a mid twenty first century neon uh, alternate reality Jap- pseudo Japan, uh, but its themes are aspiration and change, not. Uh, resistance and rebellion, the, the core nature of punk games. Um, and that creates a whole well, slew of differentiations when people say, oh, you know, what What makes Nuendo different from cyberpunk other than the 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 lineage options or from, from Shadowrun other than blah, 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 other than the fact that the mechanics actually work well. Uh, and, and the answer is it's themes and, you know, that that's a head scratcher because people tend to make up their own themes at the table. Right. But, uh, the more games you play, the more you'll find that the book or the setting will set the theme for you and you can play in that theme or not cyberpunk and Shadowrun and, and all the neon urban modern games that fall into the dash punk, uh, genre, they don't force you to play punk games or, or punk themes um but you you tend to end up doing so because of the assets that are put in front of you as a storyteller or game guide or referee whatever so over the course of the last two years as Noedo's got got a bit of popularity uh which Mm -hmm. i'm proud of surprised by and and very humbled by uh we just cracked gold bestseller tier on dtrpg which is pretty sweet Mm -hmm. 
um, and solid five star rating. Woohoo! But I've I've had this this conversation at the moment. It's not a conversation; it's just me talking. But uh, one sided conversation. So so often that you know, what's the differentiating factor? Why should I look at Mado? Is just is it just another pile on the the pile of books or another book in the pile of of punk adjacent books? Uh, and so the answer is no, and the themes are different. And if you like differentiated themes, if you're sick of dystopia, or if you've become bored with dystopia, or if you just want to try something different, then Noeda might be a good option for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the core rule book is a, a chonky 30, 308 pages with a good section or mm-hmm. setting section and lots of NPCs and lots of color thrown in throughout the book and uh, drop-in comments and media articles and stuff like that uh, that try to bring home that the theme is different, themes are different. But we have a very active discord, the community has gotten really strong, and, and but I still answer this question all the time, why is it different, why should I care? And so over the course of the past two years, I've been working on example stories of what what kind of stories do you tell in a, in a neon urban city that isn't a cyberpunk city? Well, okay, well then we get into it. And so I started writing uh, the 77 stories in Nuido, a couple, of, well, I mean, Realistically, a year ago, but all these things have been on my notepad for a long time, um, and uh, and expanded that more this year as the seventy-seven stories, which are plot hooks, uh, started to include really, you know, fully fleshed-out characters, NPCs, settings, items, all these things that that make a storyteller life's easier, a storyteller's life easier. Pardon me. Um, and so that's what this this expansion has become. It's a 50 to 60 page book full of uh, storyteller tools for neon cities and specifically neon cities where you don't necessarily just want to tell another story about blowing up corpos for synthba not that there's anything wrong with that but that that's a that's a tried and true one if you want to throw something different at your players then the 77 stories might be for you that might be a record for a monologue from you guys still alive <laughs> <laughs> no I, honestly i i it really well put. Uh, I remember the first time we had a conversation, and I think it was me, you, Finder, and Scott, and uh, we said that you gave. I, th- I think it might have been me who referred to the game as cyberpunk, and you actually stopped me and said it's not actually cyberpunk. And especially after getting the full book, I was like, he- he's right. It's definitely not. It has you know elements of cyberpunk, but it's um, it's really kind of almost taking the mysticism of uh the region and kind of putting it more front front and center and uh almost almost like an homage to of how you would kind of think it would progress like i could see it easily being like an anime series like with how you sculpted the world and maybe the world is a precursor to the cyberpunk dystopia uh the the point of the setting the, the conflicts, because if things aren't horrible in a game world, what, what are the conflicts based on? And everyone jumps to dystopia and oppression in just what quote unquote call them near, near or, or near modern, near future games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are the things that seem to be threats in every day to day life oppression, dystopia, a boring dystopia, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, uh, but, you know, if you play a fantasy game or interestingly a sci fi game, the themes will be very different. It's adventure based. It's, there's horror there's whatever you want to call it but if you're just dropped into a random rpg world that isn't near future there's no 
default assumption that oppression is going to be your your main enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, and it sounds kind of crazy because even you, like you're saying, like what kind of adventures would you play in, play it? And like you get kind of gave me a sneak peek, uh, but even like the first time I was reading this, my my thoughts on trying to run a game to it was, where do I start with, uh, with an adventure? Because it it is a very well detailed story, and it almost sometimes feels a little a little bit intimidating as a GM to do that. Uh, but even reading some of your stories, uh, it kind of does put into perspective like the adventures that you could have that make it still that put it like I, I don't know if adventures is the right word. But it does feel like adventures. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, I I still call RPGs imagination games, and I guess I still fall into this headspace where I want to get into them and go have adventures. You mm-hmm. know, like Adventure Time, and and fantasy lends itself to that because you go off tromping through the woods with your four of your closest buddies, and you're going to slay monsters and be heroes and collect loot and do whatever. Uh, and then and then sci-fi games, you go off into space and and discover and learn and explore and all these grandiose, relatively positive, depending on how you play them out, themes or, or story styles. Uh, but for whatever reason, you're dropped into a neon city and you grab a gun and go in for the nearest cop. And <laughs> it's probably a comment on society, obviously, um, yeah. but it doesn't need to be the only, the only story. So, so this, this expansion is supposed to, uh, give storytellers both in Nuedo, but also in other neon urban games, the tools to drop a little bit more something not dystopian for once into your adventures. Yeah. And I I find that it's also very varied and it kind of almost opens up. Like I got one story. If you don't mind, I would like to actually like, if if you're cool with it, I would like to read it because it almost put another perspective to like your game of a way that I could run it, and that was. Sure, kind I would of love to hear, yeah, which which you've got, which you've got yeah. up in front of you. Because it it almost puts up, I as a lot of people know, I like horror and I love supernatural shit. Right, uh, that's not something I've ever hid, and it was actually uh, this it was number fifty three. Uh, a particular street in the quiet suburbs of Calico, uh, way out near the Black Mountains, has gone dark. The street lights are out, the homes are unlit and apparently empty, and no one wanders the streets. Uh, neighboring streets are unaffected, and while residents are scared, they don't they don't report having seen anything to explain the darkness. Investigators will find no blood or evidence or violence in the empty homes but the area is infused with a deep feeling of dread characters keeping track uh, of details will discover that darkness is expanding creeping outward at one or two homes per night and i was like i read that i was like you know what like it it makes a hundred percent sense especially with you having like the commies in your game that you could play this almost as like a supernatural thriller and really opened up my thoughts on how this game could be played so vastly different but still in the theme of the game the 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 spiritual mystical side of it's something that that i didn't want to be too um i don't know heavy-handed about it definitely opens up the door to 
alternate play or different themes or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I mean, this might cheapen it a little bit, but it's almost like Nuedo's hacking. The game doesn't, I took out hacking. There's very minimal hacking. It's the kind of hacking you get in Star Wars. It's a very analog plug in, have a guy Mm -hmm. with a gun guarding your back because I didn't enjoy the old versions of Shadowrun where it was a whole separate mini game. Uh, I don't, Uh, did anyone, does anyone actually do? The, the, whoever's playing the hacker, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> no one player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the 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 spirit realm, it's it's not some realm that you transfer over like in World of Darkness, all of that. But the 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 spirits are active in the in the game world. They can be NPCs. Uh, they can interact with with physical reality. Um, and magic and technology are not. Um, they, they're not counter to each other. You can use both. You can befriend both, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So uh, having this avenue of alternate play being the spirit realm in a neon city is certainly a, a change of pace. And it's cool. I, I, when you started to describe which one you're going to pull out, I had no idea what what would be your particular taste because they are all so very varied. Oh, but, they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's a good example of what these stories are. They're paragraph length plots or or seeds some of them have a little bit more of a a gotcha whereas other ones are more setting the stage and the storyteller will still have to create the details in this case the storyteller will have to answer the mystery many times the mystery is answered and the conflict will be something else um but they're not intended to be packaged adventures they're longer than a d100 list style and then this happens kind of random encounter table uh, but they're shorter than an adventure. So, th- you know, that lets me cram 70 to 100 of them into a 50-page book and not have to charge you $200 for it. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of interesting because a lot of other, like, I would say GM tools, supplements, or any of those kind of things, they tend to almost, like, direct you how to uh, how to actually, like, play a game. But yours, on the other hand, really just kind of opens up avenues of almost kind of like not how to play but ways that you may have not realized you could play like that's what i got out of the book personally um but i i I just thought it was really interesting because you did leave it really to the imagination of the person reading it and even how like would i be able to answer that like what exactly is the dread no, but I would definitely listen to my players to see what they think it is, and I would go with their, my favorite answer off of them. <laughs> well, well, it's I mean, for that particular story, and for folks that are new to the, the game world, uh, the world's got near-future technology and magic and, and alternate lineages that you can play, yokai races. And uh, and that's not just hand-waved away. So... Noedo is set in an alternate reality, not an alternate timeline, but an alternate reality that reflects our own, but isn't ours. Uh, but the core difference, the, the differentiating tenet, is that belief defines reality, such that strong enough beliefs will change the fabric of what is real and tangible. The, the, the big picture aggregate macro result of that is that mythology tends to become real. The, the the deities, the spiritual critters, the the monsters, the horrors, the gods, all of that, uh, the ones that have strong beliefs will become real. Um, 
that that tenet of belief defying reality also on a micro sense ties into your character's powers all the crazy shit can i say shit on here that yeah that, okay good uh that that your characters can do running up walls and and shooting lasers and out of their teeth and and whatever other all the other powers are um they're granted those powers by the tenet that belief defines reality. And so the only way to gain in power is to grow your legend, capital L legend, which is the only meta resource and currency in the game. Um, and so this aggregate concept that created the the tangible demons and, and mythological races and all that stuff is also on a micro scale, the thing that lets your characters get more powerful. So it ties your characters into the setting more than just, hey, here's a drop in at a tavern, whatever. Now for the story that you brought up, this creeping doom darkness, the bigger it gets, the more people will believe in it. And it becomes a self-propagating problem because of this tenet of belief defining reality. And so whatever you want to say the population believes is causing this nightmare is what's causing that nightmare in, in your game world. And we, yeah, obviously let it be flavored by what your characters want to come up against. And if they want a mystery, have it be a mystery. And if they want it to be a fight, it can also be a fight. The, the nice thing about Noedo is it's got a fairly robust uh, re conflict resolution system, skill resolution system that doesn't just require ch chopping everything to death. Now, there's certainly enough tools in there to chop things to death, but you get the idea. Now, Finder, were you about to say something? I, I was just going to say, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the, the new expansion is a book of plot hooks. Or, or it adventure is, books, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it started out that way, and that's why it's called the 77 Stories. Yeah. Uh, but it's now, as I've sought feedback from more folks, I sent them out the 77 Stories months ago and said, what am I missing in here? And they're like, oh, I love the stories, but you set, you set this one plot, and you didn't tell me what neighborhood it was in or what the restaurant was called. And and a little eureka like like oh because all these places are filling my brain. I've been playing this game. I write it constantly. I you know what I mean. My head is full of all these details from campaigns, from my imagination, whatever it would be. So I said, oh well, I thought that storytellers would want to fill those details in themselves. But the whole point of this thing is to make your life easier and just give them to you. So mm -hmm. I took all of the unnamed NPCs. Well, they weren't all unnamed, but. Gave them, gave them names, gave them backstories, gave them statistics, gave them uh, personality quirks, and gave them ties to the other NPCs and settings and plot hooks in the book. We'll get back to that in a sec. Uh, and did the same thing with setting details, locations. So there's 30 locations in the book at the moment that are all named the kind of places that you'd find in a quasi-mystical 21st century city. Um, so neon splash bars, but also temples perched on the side of hills, all with capitalized names that you could throw into almost any modern game and have it be a really handy tool for characters to meet an NPC, for a murder to occur, for uh, some plot hinge, hinge point to happen. And you don't need to, you can ignore the rest of what the game says about what happens there and just use that location. And the lo locations also have paragraph at least length descriptions to them. So it's it evolved from a bunch of plot hooks, which I found, which was the original goal, to a, a more robust set of tools um, that that I've continued to expand on as we get closer and closer to the publication of things. That's Does cool. That, at, at great length, <laughs> answer your question. Yeah. 
it, it does. And I think the, the thing that, I mean, you made one comment that made me think of Scott because <laughs> the, the comment of, well, where, where, is, where are the places and where are these things? And my, my first thought was, well, gamers don't have imagination anymore. <laughs> we, we, we want everything spoon fed to us because I'm right there with you. I would have probably just filled the stuff in. Because that's one thing that I like about random adventure generators is it allows me to take what my current campaign is and tailor everything to my specific needs. And for Santa, when you were talking about that story of yours, my first thought that came to me was that's, that's neat and that's cool, but how could that play into some of the other stories? Like there, there's no reason you have to have it be this one thing you could blend two or three of those different stories together to answer that question of what is this uh, creeping dread? And it could actually be three or four different things all playing into it. Um, I mean, that's a prescient comment. Um, Not every single one of the stories, but I'd say 80% of them are tied to at least one, if not two or three other stories intentionally, because they're all part of a, a lot of them are pulled down from the, the game settings, meta plot arc in my head. Uh, <laughs> from big picture things down to micro little throwaway things. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's a setting or an NPC or a, or like a continual plot point, um, you can weave them together. I, I don't handhold at the moment in the book, but maybe I will get further down that way if I, if I you know, for the final layout, I may just list which stories are interconnected and which aren't, that kind of thing. Uh, but But there's dozens of, interconnected stories that create a bigger story arc that you wouldn't, you don't need to give a shit about. You can just ignore yeah. it and pluck these stories out and use them in your adventures. Mm-hmm. Or you could have fun by teasing them out or dropping them for your players to kind of discover or not uh, as they go through these things. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's a cheat sheet for a meta plot uh, that you can ignore if you want. And it isn't named after the meta plot. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here's some things that happened. But later on, folks that enjoy Nuedo, either from the original book or from this or from iterative stuff that's coming out, will start to see the connections from these stories to the other stuff that's going on in the setting, which as a player and as a media consumer, I love like a little Easter egg back to somewhere else or a little connection to a favorite yeah. character you from the You said something program. very interesting there. You started talking about the that's meta fair. plot. Are you, are you planning to almost like progress the narrative of the world with every edition. So, so I've, I've backed myself into a corner, not unintentionally on that because I referenced it earlier that the game's conflicts arise from a series of uh, inflection points um, between, I mean, the easy broad one is the past and the future, uh, but tradition and technology, uh, mysticism and science, uh, introversion versus extroversion, uh, protectionism versus globalism, all these things, uh, community versus uh, individuality. Um, and there's 21 different paths, kind of an analogous to the, to the classes in the game. Um, and they, many of them fall on different points of various of these paradigms, inflection points. Um, and I... I don't want to tell anyone what the right answer is. I don't want to def- define and say, okay, well, I've set some traditional elements into the game and some futuristic elements in the game, but my personal view is that the futuristic elements are kind of the evil ones because of cyberpunk, and I'd like to hold to the traditions. I don't want anyone to take that as true. That's not canon for any 
uh, new Edo readers that are, are listening. Um, <laughs> but now how do I progress in a timeline basis, the setting without throwing into the bin certain tables development? And I don't just mean in the sense that if you take some name character from a game and turn that person into the mayor of the city, and then my next book comes out and says that character is dead, you'd be like, ah, shit, well, I'm going to ignore this book. But if I say that the the conflict, I'm neutral on the conflict between the past and the future, but then in the next iterative book, uh, the future is winning, then the you know it will be perceived that that I'll have a bias and that the that can have an, an effect on the the flavor of the games played at your tables. So I want to set concurrent plots and adventures and, and stories and stuff like that. And there's a there's a major adventure module coming out that that plays into this um but i'm kind of lining up the domino pieces but i don't i hope this doesn't disappoint anyone i don't plan on knocking them over and if i do knock them over it will be in a a a, a new book that's 200 years in the future or frankly a, a, a book for the same you know same rule system but a game from 200 years in the past that goes into the the history of how we got here kind of thing so it it, you know, I've got all the, the campaigns and stories and plots in my head for how things actually play out boots on the ground in within a few years. But I don't want my perception of the game to, to ruin anybody else's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well saved. But no, no, that's a that's really interesting. I like how I really enjoy your world building as it's uh, tends to be very kind of a. Uh philosophical in a manner well i mean that's probably giving me too much credit but uh it it's because uh, i'm certainly no philosopher no do i nor do i intentionally layer much meaning in there i think more just a, trying to put in different perspective i guess of uh <laughs> from from my years of defending why my game is different from from your classic <laughs> neon urban games is like look at damn it it is and it really comes down to my themes but then when you talk about it enough it it starts to mean something and starts to, of yeah. course, affect the flavor mm -hmm. of the game, the expansions, the content, the characters, all that stuff. It's different, damn it. I mean, <laughs> um, a certain large reviewer put out a video a month or two ago and the, the header on the review uh, was just don't call it cyberpunk. And <laughs> and just and justifiably, right? You know, because you've been listening to me talk now for two hours or 20 minutes, whatever it's been. And uh and the answer at the end of it is, well, it's, it's obviously not cyberpunk. But if but if you don't watch the whole video or if you don't read the book, or if you just look at the cover, there's a lot of comments on that video about like, fuck you, what's the difference? This is cyberpunk. You don't know what cyberpunk is, blah, blah, blah. blah. You're just trying to differentiate. And well, I mean, there's certain elements in the Internet that you don't need to to interact with. Uh, but <laughs> but getting back to that, the answer to what is cyberpunk is uh, high tech, low life is is themes not not setting details right so well and you know i think that's one of the fun things that i i like about sci-fi sci-fi is probably my preferred genre to play in um it's certainly the one that i gm the most but i think people get in this habit of saying well we you have augmentation that's cyberpunk but no i mean if that's the case then Minority Report was cyberpunk. Then um, Traveler is cyberpunk because all of these games have augmentations. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. For me, cyberpunk is always dystopian. 
it's the fight against oppression and it's the the corpos it's all of that stuff um the plight of the common man is the story of cyberpunk in my opinion and so yeah i i I, the themes i think what you're saying is i i completely agree with you that that you can have a there's overlap, right? I mean, sci-fi, there's going to be overlap between everything. But the overarching theme is what's going to drive whether or not it's cyberpunk. Yeah, and and maybe I'm pissing into the wind here. Like, when you look at a genre or, you know, kind of like what Kevin Crawford's done, he's broken his three books up into fantasy, sci-fi, and cyberpunk. And how many games out there don't fall into one of those three? Yeah. Uh, now, is that a question of based on setting or based on themes? And I don't need to rehash that. But it, it, I've taken a, a modern neon urban game and, and given it a different theme. Is that is that pissing into the wind or is that me, you know, pushing a rock uphill kind of thing? Because people just they they identify too closely with games that look like when they look out the window. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they look out the window and they feel fear, anxiety. Uh, uh, whatever disconnect, all those things that that people are going through right now. That's I'm sure why cyberpunk is popular because it is gives them a real chance to fight back in a way that they don't in real life or generally don't. I presume. Um, and there remains a question whether Nuevo stays where it is, or gets bigger, or has a, a becomes more less of a niche and more of a broadly accepted thing. That oh, it's there is room for adventure aspiration and change in, in modern games, or maybe there just isn't, but I mean, it's popular enough with a niche amount of people that I'm very happy with it at the moment, but I'm curious to see what happens in the long term, what the view of it will be like, whether or not the game was any good. The uh, refreshing take on near future settings was a, a break of pace for early 21st century gaming or <laughs> like, <laughs> My brother has a, a PhD in, in basically the sociology of video games and, you know, he'll be dead before I matter. Not that I'll ever matter, but I can just picture some one of his students in, in 20 or 30 years being like, hey, is the same name as Professor Rollins? And, and, and doing a dissertation just to get extra marks. Um, and I'd be curious what that would say. My brother's uh, famously moot on my game. Uh, I think that's out of love, though, so... <laughs> that's funny but, but yeah no you're kind of making me want to reread the book well i mean t- th- i got when, i got it it's right in front of me i could definitely do it <laughs> um the, the 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 ashcan version of the 77 stories i sent you didn't have mm. as much on the npcs or or locations as the the version that's live now yeah. um so, you know, we'll, I'll just hope to have you as a backer there on day one. Oh, you know, I'll back you. I'll back <laughs> you any day there, Ross. Come on. And we got to get into the plugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, seriously, like, when, whenever you actually talk about it, like me and you, we've had quite a few conversations, not even just for podcast-wise, just shut, in general. Whenever you, yeah, whenever you talk about, like, Nuetto, you can just, like, kind of tell the passion of it. And I think that's another reason why I'm always kind of like enamored with a bit of your work, uh, not to just sound like a shell or anything like here, but it's just because you're, you're very passionate about the project. 
and you can tell when someone is just absolutely in love with something that they're creating because it, it it's just it's written differently than not to say any names here but then a company with 50 different writers all writing something to be as commercially viable as possible not unlike uh some of the big ones um well dungeons and dragons fuck it we all know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it makes my job easy that's for sure i would go to bed thinking about it and i wake up thinking about it and i sit on my computer and work on it quite a bit i'm another work sea captain in the middle of winter in canada so what else have i got to do oh, um and uh it, it it you know there it's well past blurring that line between hobby and profession at this point. And I've had one or two conversations lately on which direction I would prefer to take it. And, and I'm honestly on the fence because when you go down the business road, you start, you start to be forced to make cold blooded decisions that may, may affect your passion. Right. Yeah. Um, and at the moment that it's not a, just a passion project. Exactly. You know, and, and the way that does okay. And it, 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 it buys me a beer every month or something like that, uh, which was really what I was set out, set out to do is just have a game buy me beer. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, would I like it to be a little bit bigger? Yes, very much. So I think that it's shown some good traction and people get passionate about it outside of my influence and outside of the influence of drugs or alcohol, I presume. Um, and so, so that just motivates me more to dive further into it. But you know, at some point, I guess it'll become that, like, it's already there. I've got two, two, well, five live documents, two of them being published with this next Kickstarter. Um, and how many can I possibly write and lay out and art direct and, and create from scratch in a year and make it viable? I should get some staff writers I, or I should open it up to community content, which is one thing I'm working on. Uh, working on encouraging folks to work on and that we'll find a way to create <laughs> effectively Nuido community content. I've got a name for it and a, a whole, whole, okay, hold on. This is fun. So this tenet of belief defines reality. Every table that plays Nuido is going to play it different because they'll all have a different view of what the reality of 21st century pseudo Tokyo is, right? Yeah. They'll want more technology. They'll want more horror. They'll want more punk. They'll want more mystery. They'll want more, uh, political intrigue you know uh, there's a lot of tables that play this coming from a legends of the five rings basis so they've just added uh, neon to legends of the five rings so their intrigue and the honor and, and the duty and and those themes that are relatively absent in in most non-japanese based games um so and going back 10 minutes ago to what i said about i don't want to piss in other people's parades as far as what what i say the canon content of the game or future is so I want to make something called Nuedo Realms, which is community content that I'll throw crazy ideas into, but say, okay, Santa, you've you've been dreaming about this horror version of Nuedo and you want to run a game for it. Create a little adventure in in your your pocket realm. And it can be that one neighborhood in Calico that, that becomes your setting. And in that setting, other reality exists in a different way. There could be other paths, other lineages, other skills, other cybernetics, other kami, other, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the tools of the game can be expanded on and I can say, yes, that is true because it, it, it isn't, you're not trying to say that the whole world is different. You just know that this pocket of, of the city or of the country has become so enamored or scared of, or, or obsessed with an idea that it has become physical reality for them. 
And so that will let tables play out there. My my portion of Nuedo's more punky. My portion of Nuedo's more honor-based. My portion of Nuedo's more scientific with more hover bikes and more lasers and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's not, and that's not even then, that's not just them taking creative license, which of course all storytellers and tables are, should and are encouraged to do. But it's like, it, it's, it's, perfectly acceptable based on the core tenet of the game being believed to find reality. It's like the multiverse, but not just wait, hand waving and saying, oh, it's the multiverse. It has a it has a reason for it to exist. And it would just be in pockets. A character from your game would wander outside your couple of square blocks or your neighborhood or whatever it may be and find themselves in a very different part of Nuedo. And that could be a fun adventure in itself. Anyway, oh, so if anyone wants to write well, something, you, call me. But what you've just described, though, reminds me of Thieves' World back in the 80s. I am not familiar. Oh, no. my goodness. My, my they looks were awesome. Okay. I mean, it, it, it was basically the, a group of writers like Robert Asprin and a bunch of other people all got together and said, we're going to create stories in this one location. And they all wrote their own stories. They could use other characters that from some of the other characters, some of the other writers created, they could use them in their stories. They couldn't kill that character. It wasn't their character to I see. really, but, but that character could serve as a plot hook or could serve as a plot device of some sort. But essentially they all created their own versions of thieves world. It was all in the same place. Each story had its own feel because, of course, it's coming from a different writer. That sort of stuff. So there so, was sorry, this is commonality. Not a, not an yeah, RPG. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I used to read the Robert Asprin books, but I don't know if I'd read the other ones because now I remember blah 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 blah, a Thieves' World novel or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, the, the original the original Thieves' World was a uh, compilation of short stories from a bunch of different writers, um, and so that's kind of how it all got started. Was these guys kind of like wild cards with um, George R. R. Martin, where a bunch of well-known writers all got together and just wanted to write their own superhero stories. And the premise was there's this virus that makes some people have superpowers. And so they all just wrote their own superhero stories based on that one idea. But so they all lived in the same area, but everything was completely different depending on who was writing it. Mm -hmm. You know what? And, and it'll, it'll end up with, some folks gravitating to one flavor, theme, setting, genre, version of Nuedo or of whatever, and others to others. But to have that content out there for folks that are enjoying the setting, enjoying the concepts, or just enjoying the mechanics of the game, uh, which are slightly refreshing. Um, Absolutely. He said, he said unabashedly. Um, that that I, I would love to see that become a thing. And I'm just trying to find a way for me to facilitate that as best as possible without having to be heavy handed about it. Yeah. So it, it's not so much realms. It's more like new districts. Well, but even if you wrote <laughs> Calico on. as a horror Calico and someone else wrote Calico as a, some, you know, pastoral idyllic, uh, beer, wheat growing future, Riotuma style, like, I don't want to have to define it by the, the you know, the, the 21 districts of the city or something. Now, it can't be just the new, new of the realms because that's too boring a title. We have to think of something more fun than that. But yeah, shards is taken, right? What else can we call it? Nuedo Dreams. That kind of has a, a interesting ring to it. 
Well, now, if, I, I will say, if you, if you want to look at something, you may want to look at the way Pinnacle does their license for ACEs because they're not heavy-handed, but there is an approval process to make sure that things don't get completely out of hand. They have a set of guidelines, things like that, that you could look at the draw inspiration from. But the, the neat idea about that is I personally am drawn to more of the darker stuff, whether that's cyberpunk or cyberpunk horror or horror sci-fi, whatever it is. However, branching out for one short adventure is, is a lot of fun and something that I've done with one of my groups uh, where we were playing a really dark game one time and they were completely freaked out when I put them in a world where everything was good there was nothing evil <laughs> nothing was trying to kill them like they must have been oh so crap confused. when's the boot gonna fall yeah it was absolutely yeah, hilarious yeah. I've, I've pulled that up now and i'll do some research thank you for that <laughs> so yeah i think um i'm trying to remember i think dcc also they just asked for you to send it before uh doing a kickstarter just so that they can approve it um and they also have another part saying is like also, you know, sell us some of the books so that we can or give us some of the books so we could sell it on our own uh, website, you know, for you. But like, you know, it's not like they're not taking all the money, but they'll sell like actual ones off theirs, too. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of different ways that can be done. Well, I do have a, a third-party license, a relatively free and open third-party license that just says, don't be an asshole, and don't pretend that you're me. Um, and that's drafted into the book. You can grab it, use it, take... I said you can't use my art assets, but you can use the named characters and all that stuff from the book. Um, use the mechanics, obviously. Use place names, NPCs, critters, creatures. Copy text directly from my rule book. Make money on it refer back to it and say it's compatible with just don't pretend that you're salty games and then i have three rules of shit you cannot do if you want to use the compatible salty games or compatible with Nuredo. uh so all of that just opens up for people to go nuts and do it themselves and i i, I wanted to find a way to kind of include it and get more eyeballs on their projects like if one of my one of the fans of the game goes out and produces a black market supplement um and the Discord would certainly hear about it, and I'd encourage it, assuming that I read it and it wasn't a horrible, I, and I don't mean horribly written, I mean a horrible person kind of thing, but I don't, that would not be the case. Um, but then if it didn't get in eyeballs anywhere else, this guy or girl might be a little disappointed and never go to the great amount of effort it takes to create a supplement again. But if I can give it with the limited visibility that, that Salty Games in Nuedo has now to try to bring it under an umbrella that says very clearly this is not official canon content, but treat it as if this could be a setting that you, is perfectly compatible with and kind of like loosely thumbs up approved by. Um, so it's a, it's a, I, I guess like an expansion or not expansion. It's a, a mission creep of the part, third party license, <laughs> but with the goal of having more, more eyeballs on these projects and more content for fans elsewhere to, to utilize in their games. The, the problem with being a one man shop is how, how do you put out content? You know, we're two years after I finished laying out, or sorry, finished the Kickstarter, and, and now I'm finally at having written 60 more pages that's fit for public consumption. So, and 
that's disappointing, but there's a lot to do as a one man creator, I guess. Yeah. Shit, no. you're giving me ideas, man. <laughs> you're, you, I, I, I've, I, I literally, it was just like in my head, I was like, okay, I got an idea. You flat got a what? Out. I got an idea flat out. Sweet. Yeah. Write it up. We'll slap a logo on there and, and we'll get it out there. So let me write something down quick before I forget. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually be it would wor- it would actually work really well with your system, I think too. I- I'm nodding like you can see that. Yeah, uh, I-, I I can feel the nod. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> try- I'm trying not to sh- uh, you know force my stuff too hard here, knowing that we've been talking about it for 45 minutes, but but I'm always happy to. Happy to talk about it and happy to have folks interested in it. So I appreciate that. Uh, you're actually dead set. It, we literally just hit 45 minutes. I, I see the timer in front of me. I'm not just a good guesser. Oh, I didn't know you could see that. <laughs> <laughs> Professionalism. No, um, no, it, honestly, like, yeah, no, I, it, it's been actually kind of a blast to talk about this. It's been a while since we've actually had a good, uh, uh, good combo on like your game because it's funny because it, it's one that like I, I always have it on my bookshelf uh, and whenever I have like people over like they can see where all my different RPGs are that's the one that's usually pulled out the most like well, just because flattering. well and I'm not trying to be flattering here but like it, it's just it's a very the book is very grabbing yeah, it's pretty and big and hefty. It is hefty. It is hefty. I, I could definitely... <laughs> use that 100-pound paper that I la- later came to regret while shipping them. Oh my God, I can't <laughs> even imagine. <laughs> that, but, um, well, it... I'm looking at a second print run for these things, and uh, a printer that's been highly recommended to me and has some incredible five-star reviews is Standart Impreza out of Lithuania. Uh, Smithson, great quality, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is that they can produce them at a cost that would let me actually wholesale their game, which is currently not possible, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Um, but to get them over here, you look at the weight of what 500 books cost, and you, you can just toggle between 80-pound paper and 100-pound paper, 80-pound paper, 100-pound paper. And it's thousands of pounds of different when you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, I'm not. How, am I really getting... Do people really care that much about the difference between 80 and 100-pound paper? Now, you put... A book in front of two books in front of you, and one's eighty and one's a hundred. You'll notice a difference. But if you oh, pick, yeah. up, pick up an RPG and one's eighty and one's a hundred, but you're not comparing it to the other, you probably won't notice a difference unless yeah. you're an exceptional connoisseur. And one would be better at self defense. Yes. Oh, yeah. It will stop more bullets. That's for sure. Oh yeah, and also you hit someone with this book, man. They're going down. <laughs> <laughs> the measure of an RPG's quality is whether you could use it as a weapon within the RPG itself. Okay, very off topic, but we recently like we're looking to buy a new bed, and we found like these this YouTube channel that was doing pillows, and it, it was mostly for jokes, but he was actually rating them properly, like the pillows, and it was just off like the order ones. And one of his criteria that he had before he even got the pillows, he's like, so which ones would be the best at slumber parties, and which ones would be the best for self defense in case a home invader comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's hilarious because one of them, like, I shit you not, the pillow weighed 25 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Some folks like a dense pillow. 
I've actually that's I've I've tried the pillow because they had them at uh the place where I bought my mattress and it was the most it was one of the comfiest pillows I've ever heard I've felt in my entire life. And that wasn't just because of the 16 kilograms of high-tech brain-inducing microwave emitters that are built into the thing to make it weigh that much? No, I'll, I mean, I'll sit, I'll sit, I'll, I'll seriously, I don't know if I should do this while we're in the podcast, but it, like the, it's the purple pillow. Okay, I'll look it up. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I've got a $5 Walmart pillow that I'm fairly content with, which always amazes my wife, but. But in that one, it is fairly good for self-defense. So maybe there is something worth looking into here. Oh, yeah. It would definitely kill someone. Flat out. <laughs> well, there we go. I like my pillows like I like my RPG books. Dense and heavy. And now we're just going to start becoming a pillow and self-defense uh, channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bed, Bath & Beyond. Yeah. You put, put up an affiliate link on there and uh, fund the rest of your uh, oh. uh, podcast. <laughs> Here's the affiliate link to the purple pillow. Yeah. Brought to you by. <laughs> you know what? If they gave me a sponsor, I'd fucking take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Indie creators, man. You take it where you can get it. <laughs> but I think on that note, folks, uh, since we've started talking pillow, about pillows, I think that's all the time we have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, Russ, thanks so much for joining. Uh, I had a blast. So I hope you did too. Uh, as always, I, I definitely did. Thanks for giving me a, a soapbox to stand on and, and, and scream in the public about my game for 45 minutes. I appreciate your patience and forbearance. Uh, it's 49 minutes now, dude. Come on. Time <laughs> I think I shut up for four of those minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>